1: Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We're here to talk, uh, Cubs, you know, things done and things undone, things said and unsaid. Uh, very dramatic, very dramatic episode of Onto Waveland. Who got the rose? Who didn't get a rose? Um, So obviously we are recording this. uh, It's Friday after the deadline, so it's a few days after the trade deadline. And I got to tell you, when I was thinking about our recording schedule and looking ahead to the deadline, uh, my brain wasn't there when the deadline itself was happening because you're you're so caught up in the moment. But uh, when I was thinking in advance, I was like, "Oh man, it's kind of a bummer that we're not going to be recording until so you know we're recording right before the deadline and then kind of after it by a bit. We won't really." you know, things will be sort of stale by the time we're digging into it. But the way it actually played out, I'm kind of glad we do have distance from it. Because I think while I had useful thoughts to share the day of the deadline and then the day after, I think I, speaking only for myself, I'm in a much better place of like sort of comprehensive understanding about what happened, what didn't, why and why, and all that kind of stuff with some more distance. So I think, uh, again, speaking only for myself, I feel much more equipped to speak thoughtfully about the deadline than I might have been in the immediate moment, which I think speaks to the emotion of that day that actually extended back to the week before and what animated the emotion in the first place that we saw at Wrigley Field with... Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ sort of saying their farewells because there was an expectation by everybody that a trade, at least for Wilson Contreras, was going to happen. And so, you know, it almost was a bookend to it that you had hugs that he was staying. So that's that's the big news in the Cubs world this week. And, you know, I hate to set it up so generically for you guys, but, you know, let's just talk a bit about what it means that uh, trade didn't happen, why it didn't happen, and then what what that uh, yields going forward, yeah for before
2: we we talk about the actual fallout, I, I think it's 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 too bad. Jed Hoyer has no access to the media or or anybody to to pull pour cold water on all these rumors that we started on our own. It's all our fault that Wilson Contreras was sure he was going to be traded and if only jed hoyer had the ability to say you know what guys maybe don't go crazy with the rumors maybe he won't be traded or or said anything like that to calm us all down well, it would can i been, ask
1: it, what it's too bad well what would be the downside of that like i because I, I did try to think you, you know instinctively i'm like well you know you just you don't say anything you just keep it mom and, and maybe you say something in house like hey here's a heads up that this might not happen that's kind of a separate issue. But, like, publicly, I do try to think, like, what is the downside of the Cubs putting out a message sort of exactly like you said? That's just, hey, yeah. just remember, these things don't I mean, always I'm happen. I am just giving him
2: a hard time, right? I'm just messing around because it, I think it's silly to say, like, this is the media's fault. Like, the media built it up. But I, I'm not sure what the downside is to that, right? Uh, they they didn't say much before last deadline. And I think everyone was, was kind of. Taken aback that they did trade all three, right? So yeah, I guess it was the logical conclusion. But Jed Hoyer's own words after last deadline kind of made it seem like this was the obvious thing to do. And it's not like he wasn't trying his damnedest to move those guys, right? Like the only reason
1: it... Well, you you put it very well in your question to him after the deadline passed, which was, "Hey, wasn't this you know a missed opportunity, right?" Because right? what he said, "Don't waste a crisis." And wasn't this a missed opportunity? So let's let's focus right. on that part for a moment, because then then I'll move to Mooney. You also asked. I thought I it, this isn't just because we're podcast uh, podcast buddies here, guys. I did think you guys asked the two questions that were foremost in my mind. So we'll get to yours in a moment, Mooney, because it's it's a pretty good follow on this. But for yours, Sahadev, it, it I know the answer Great. to this. I know what Jed said, but maybe not everybody listening does. What was the answer to? didn't you waste this yeah
2: it, his basic answer which uh he he paused and had to think about because i think he wanted to use his words carefully there but uh basically saying it, you know he didn't get the offer that was that uh compelled him to make that move right there there's there's uh we've i've talked to uh you know team president or uh heads of baseball ops before and, and a lot of them feel you don't just just because it's the obvious thing to move a guy like it's the right move to move wilson contreras at the deadline right forget what happened in the past same thing we've talked about it for last deadline it would have been the right move but you don't just move him if you don't get the value that you're looking for i, I get that concept right you have to figure out what's the value what's what uh, what can it do to a clubhouse what can it do to your reputation as an executive all those different things that that may not fans may not factor uh, take into account or even us may not take into account Uh, essentially he just didn't get the offer the market wasn't what they expected it to be or hoped it to be Uh, teams weren't being bold like AJ Preller normally is I think I'd like to know more I, I you know over the coming weeks I think we will know more but the bottom line is I think there's there's a chance that they may not have read or uh played the market perfectly uh like they, they they played it it all fell into place last year it just didn't this year i think juan soto is a big reason for that aj preller is one of those uh front office execs uh, the rare ones that isn't afraid to look foolish because he gave up some prospect to win now uh if he, if, if Juan Soto wasn't available, maybe a big deal would have come into place with the Padres, or maybe they could have played the Padres against other teams. I think once the Padres fell out, other teams also felt like, well, I'm not meeting that price. There's no reason to. You're going to buckle, not me. And neither side budged and, and it ended up how it did, right? I, I think the Mets probably needed players like that the Cubs have to really go in on, on a season like this when you have Max Scherzer who's getting older when when you have Jacob DeGrom who's opting out in all likelihood you, you want to maximize this season so it's a little perplexing on their end but obviously nobody was willing to pay the price and and you know I think there's all sorts of factors there but I think the biggest one is the Padres' impler
3: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the blame the media angle because I was kind of stunned that came out because, you know, Jed and Carter rarely travel with the Major League Club on the road. They're rarely around during batting practice. They did not really keep Wilson in the loop on this. I mean, he, Wilson is a very sharp observer of the game and business of baseball. And for months, he was expecting this. And I guess I do give Jed credit for not spinning this as, like, this is our plan all along. They do not plan to build around him. Uh, I guess an outcome of this is that they can leverage his free agency and you know get a draft pick. But even that um, is not as valuable as having a guy right now. I mean, information is king and wouldn't you rather be making that decision off a guy who's been in professional baseball for a couple of years versus an educated guess in 2023 on some high school kid or a college pitcher who's coming off tommy john uh we saw caleb killian last year coming over from the chris bryant trade uh excelling in the arizona fall league uh spending time around this really unique program they had for prospects for that lasts the entire length of the offseason a very Killian, I don't think, was there the entire time because of his innings workload, but the, if the Cubs are so great at player development, have all these you know uh, shiny new toys and um, things like that, you'd want that guy right now uh, versus waiting to sign him almost exactly a year later, this theoretical draft pick.
1: Well, to add to that, here's a concern that I may not have had before the deadline, but certainly the way it played out, I think... I just think people are not being realistic if they don't raise this as a concern, that draft pick is not guaranteed. Uh, It is only available to the Cubs. If they make the qualifying offer, if Wilson rejects the qualifying offer, and then if he signs a free agent contract thereafter uh, with a team that knows it is going to lose uh, some, some draft pick uh, volume for signing him. And if the interest in him at the deadline was sufficiently tepid that the Cubs couldn't even get, you know, half of what they got last year for their, their rentals, because I think that's, they would have taken that deal. That's just my opinion. But uh, if they couldn't even get that, that signals a market that was not bluffing when the word was circulating about the concerns about him as a catcher. That tells me that's very legitimate. Now, it's it's a little bit different in the middle of the season than in the offseason. Get that. Right. Totally grant that. But, I mean, we've seen catchers traded in season. And even if it depresses the value a little bit, there would have been an acceptable offer if if the interest was as high as we thought. And so then you look ahead and you're like, isn't there a chance that if the Cubs make that qualifying offer, now this is predicated on health the rest of the way, typical performance the rest of the way, et cetera, et cetera. If the Cubs make that qualifying offer, you know, isn't there a chance that in that intervening seven days that Contreras and his agent read the market and they're like, man, you're at risk of being one of those guys who gets crushed by the qualifying offer. Cause uh, didn't we just learn last offseason that the Cubs valued Remember when we were talking about this, and I don't know, if, it might have been one of you guys that reported it. it. Might have been you, Mooney, that the Cubs valued the loss of their second-round pick and the pool money right. and the a- IFA money at about twenty million dollars. Now imagine if, like, market rate on Wilson Contreras is sixty million guarantee. You know, a little little more or around the Yasmani Grandal contract. If he just gets hit with twenty million dollar ding, I mean. I don't know guys there's a chance that he and his agent look at the market and say maybe accepting that qualifying offer is our best move so I did not I'm I'm not saying I'm dismissive of the whole thing about like well the the qualifying offer created a floor uh, for that we needed to exceed in trade uh, I just think I think there might have to be a little more creativity on the part of the Cubs and maybe Wilson Contreras' camp to figure out what actually is the best path forward now I think things changed a lot I
2: completely agree with the, what you said there. I think uh, there's a segment of Cub fans that uh, understandably love Wilson Contreras and refuse to accept that he's a flawed catcher. And the way the game is going, you don't spend $25 million a year on a 30-year-old catcher that's not elite defensively. You may not even do that with one that's elite defensively because – it's just it's a lot of money to invest in that position is it do our team straying away from offense upside catchers no not if you're on a rookie deal it's great to draft a guy like that it's great to develop a guy like that it's great to have a guy like that in your system but very few of the best teams in baseball are paying that and go look at the ones that are paid jt real muto Yasmani Grandal, Uh, sal perez how are they doing offensively and how is the wear and tear affecting their defense uh so it's it's not it's just uh as much as wilson Contreras may be valued offensively he's not the direction the game is going uh for catching defensively now if you're talking about a one-year deal for whatever that is at the qualifying offer and he ends up a cub next year that he ends up taking that is that a bad scenario really for the cubs if you're hoping for them to win in 2023 i mean it, yes we're, we're seeing that he wasn't valued at the deadline that's really that's not ideal for the cubs uh it, it, he wasn't valued at least how they valued him what they wanted in return right and that wasn't ideal for what they're trying to do but if he's going to be dh first base maybe and an occasional catcher for them next year on a one-year deal i don't think that's a worst case
1: scenario for them well you just hit treat not to you just hit it right there it's how he would be used now right now knowing what we know and thinking about well if if it's his presence and his bat if those are the things that the cubs love so much well if he comes back then use those and do what you want behind the plate otherwise
2: 100 percent that's and i think that's what they need to do they need to if if they can obviously if they extend the qualifying offer those seven days will be key right there needs to be some talk about hey if you accept this this is the role that we want you to take on uh this is you know you're not going to be catching the uh the you know, this many innings, or or be our main catcher, and and we're going to maybe pursue another catcher. So you'd basically be our third option, and maybe you'd catch every fifth day, whatever it is. I'm throwing. I I I don't know what their plans are. There there's a lot to play out here. I'm just saying that they. It's clear that he's not a great defensive catcher, so to just to just put him in that role and say, pay the guy and give him five years uh, because he's a great offensive catcher, it's just not how the game works anymore. Uh, that's not to say he, he's not a great offensive player and wouldn't be valuable to this team if, if given a certain role.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply.
3: Yeah, I do think it's funny how sometimes teams, you know, the Cubs among them, try to talk themselves into these long-shot, has-been, maybe, prospect, take-a-flyer guys, and then when you have something in hand, like Wilson, who, and we've all talked about this before, and particularly at this deadline, that Wilson is not an elite framer or maybe a top 1% game caller and we've all seen he's an emotional guy who voices his opinions and maybe that will occasionally uh, rub some people the wrong way, but he's a really hard worker behind the scenes. He cares. He gives maximum effort every single day. You see him and a player like Christopher Morrell, how he uh, has helped him, you know, exhale, take a deep breath, take in the moment, uh, and perform. And I think sometimes with these players, and we did it, uh, we meaning everyone, whether it was Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, when you see these guys all the time, day after day after day, it's a lot easier to kind of nitpick and look at those things and rationalize your way out of committing to anything. But when you look across the game, like how many good two way catchers exist? I mean, there's a handful maybe. Can you count them on one hand? I mean, like this is a really rare talent the Cubs have. And, you know, I'm with you guys. I think it wouldn't be a bad outcome, strangely, if he does come back as this kind of hybrid, versatile player and they'll give themselves this, you know. It'll probably be a wider path to the postseason next year than they gave themselves this year, but it still will not will be somewhat narrow. And we do this dance again with Wilson uh, next year. Should he take the qualifying offer or they take a step back here and try and uh, work on that long-term deal, taking all these factors into account? And that certainly wasn't what they planned when they woke up on August 2nd, but... Here we are, and they're going to have to uh,
1: adapt. Yeah, they, um, it is it would be funny to know at what point in that process as everything was meshing together, because we know we know there was a relate some relationship between what was happening with the Padres and Soto and the Mets and the bullpen moves and the Red Sox making decisions, yay or nay. Y- you just wonder at what point the Cubs front office knew we're not going to be able to do our uh, best laid plans. And uh, they too are probably running through all of these scenarios that we're talking about now. And so, you know, for now it uh, just behooves everyone that Wilson Contreras feels better, feels more settled. He certainly looked happy and strong in St. Louis. Um, Let's talk a bit about the deals. The Cubs did make. So they dealt uh, from the bullpen as expected, uh, maybe one more guy than was expected Scott Efros going to the Yankees for Hayden Wisneski a, a true starting pitching prospect a deal that didn't see coming but in hindsight makes a lot of sense because if the Cubs believe they can help generate players like Efros um but are lacking in true upper level starting pitching prospects with upside well you make that you make that switch um And then, obviously, Chris Martin, Michael Givens, and David Robertson each going out. Zach McKinstry coming in for the Cubs on Martin. We talked about him in the last episode. But, uh, Robertson going to the Phillies for Ben Brown. Really nice breakout pitching prospect. A lot like Wisniewski. Big, hard throwing. um, Two fastballs, hard slider. Bit of a a type uh, the Cubs have been trying to accumulate. And then Saul Gonzalez, uh, a relief prospect for Michael Givens. Any... You know, any thoughts, comments on the Cubs moves, especially in tandem with a draft that saw them, you know, take 17 pitchers and three position players?
2: Yeah, a few thoughts. I mean, uh reports I'm getting on both the pitchers on Brown and Wisniewski are, are pretty good, you know, and, and the, I know the Cubs really like both of them. Wisniewski, I think. I like the fact that he's triple A, he he's going to be uh, in the rotation soon or competing for the rotation soon, right? Small chance we see him this year in the big leagues. Maybe he gets up. And, and uh he needs to be added to the 40 man anyways uh in the offseason so perhaps we see him perhaps we see killian again uh we'll see what the final two months hold there but it's it, they see him as a rotation piece on a winning team uh, not the front of the rotation but he's a, he's a, another depth piece these these players that they just didn't have for years and now they finally have some in steel and Keegan and and they're they're acquiring them via trade they're they're drafting them hopefully they they can continue to develop them and 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 you're not spending money on jason hamill and and tyler chatwood uh you can use the the free agent market to get the stars if if you're not developing those guys uh but but you really don't want to be using the free agent market for middle rotation guys back end rotation guys uh if you don't have to and then Ben Brown it sounds like someone that uh, the Cubs, uh, along with many teams, kind of went, you know, really aggressive with uh, with scouting. Po- once scouting opened up again, post uh, the, I mean, once the pandemic hit and scouting was shut down, right? Uh, once it opened up again and, and scouts were allowed back in the park, they went super aggressive with minor leaguers in spring training, and Brown was they they watched hundreds of guys right and brown was one of like five where they were like if we can find a way to get this guy let's get this guy he's he's in the midst of breaking out and they feel like he's he's still breaking out like it's not he's not done and and you said they have a type they do because those are the types of things that they feel they can add to like that power fastball that power slider they feel they can add a bit of touch they can add like the the, the the pitch that uh, kind of complements uh, those pitches. I thought it was interesting. I, I asked Carter Hawkins yesterday who came from a very good Cleveland organization that has has done a brilliant job developing pitching over the years. I asked him what he thought about the pitching development and then if anything stands out about what they do well. And, and he said there's kind of – if you want to break it down very simply, there's two things you can do in pitching development, right? How the ball moves after it comes out of your hand and how the body moves. Those are the things you can kind of work on. There, he says – they're great this this group right now is really good at how the ball moves after it comes out of the hand it really uh, yeah, improving that and doing work on that uh and and i think that's that's interesting when you talk about the pitchers that they have been targeting both draft and and in uh and in trades because if, if they can add something to all of these guys each of these guys that then you just you're finally talking about a system that's developing pitching and And really uh, adding to the rotation through their system instead of just spending all this money and then ending up in the situations they were in in 18 and 19 and and even 20
3: this to me sets up what we'd already been talking about the idea of they need a number one type starter and it's not going to be Joe Musgrove because he signed his extension Uh, and maybe I'm reaching too much here but I did wonder if the comp pick you'd get with Wilson signing elsewhere would help you stomach uh, the draft pick you'd have to give up and the bonus pool money to sign someone like Carlos Rodon, right? I mean...
1: Or Jacob DeGrom.
3: Or, ja- or Jacob <laughs> Why? why not, you know? I mean... Or both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why stop there? And then maybe trade, all your all these guys you've acquired for one year of Otani and then you're all set
1: oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you're
2: getting uh, bread all I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know
3: if I can finish this podcast guys
1: Oh god.
3: but I will give a shout out to our colleague Tim Britton, who wrote about the Mets as we're kind of you know looking back on the deadline here he led with uh, Theo Epstein's you know line of if not now when and <laughs> you know, the Mets GM, Billy Epler kind of looking at it and giving, you know, the New York media a math lesson on, you know, <laughs> taking out, you know, one percentage point adding one percentage point this year could would take away one percentage point each year after that. And as Tim wrote, you know, he said, you'll pay more for an umbrella if it's raining right now. I mean, you context matters and if you have DeGrom healthy, if you have Scherzer healthy, if you team as a whole has been healthy how can you not do more and obviously wilson um is the one we've all talked about here and it's still you know i get why why Jed thought they'd blink you know they did the year before they have all these factors lining up and catcher is just one of those positions like all it takes is one foul tip and like you know scherzer's catcher's gone then what are you gonna do You know and um to me when you're a team in new york set up like that with you know this great manager um who has what not won the world series but gets the team right there like give them that piece and go try to win in new york it was just um you know if it was stunning to us i can only imagine uh how jed felt like when he you know put his laptop down or put his phone down at the end of the night and being like, really, Matt's like, really,
2: <laughs> you know, uh, one, yeah, one be... quick thing. If we're like, I, these quotes uh, from the uh, team presidents uh, and talking about, ah, uh, Oh, 1% this and 1% in the future. You take away from the future. I, I, Friedman is, is the best at building teams right and now he, he's with the team in the Dodgers who he, he knows how to build a team with money or without money he's, he's, he's showing us that and his point uh, I think it was at the last deadline was essentially I, I wish I had the exact quote but the, the basic premise was yeah you overpay at times like this and guess what. That's how you win a World Series. It's worth it. It's worth it to overpay right now to get that ring. That's the basic premise of what he says. He said it much better than I'm saying it right now, but that's the point. Go Yes, Theo said, if not now, when, his point is, yeah, I'm going to overpay for this because I want a ring. I want to win a ring. So go do that. Go overpay. Let let other fans or media members stress out about the the prospect capital you you may have lost, and, and cry about Glaber Torres. in in 2018, you have that 2016 ring. And and I I agree. The Mets missed an opportunity, and it has nothing to do with just the Cubs. It just has to do with the Mets missing an opportunity there. And I think I think that's that if you're a fan of that team, that that has to be frustrating when you know the situation they're in.
1: God, I hope they flame out in the first round. Uh, all right, we'll leave it there. Everybody listening to this hates the Mets, so that's that's just a beautiful place to to end it. Uh, this is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at bleacher Nation. That's the of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Theirs of course, is at the Athletic. We hope you all have a wonderful weekend. And we'll be back at you next week to talk, you know, we're gonna have to transition back to a little more like on field baseball stuff. There's, it is uh, not inaccurate to say the Cubs still have quite a bit of evaluation to do the rest of the way. So there is, there actually is some substantial meaning the rest of the way for the Cubs, even though we're past the deadline. They're not competitive, yada, yada. But I actually do like this time of year. So uh, I'll be into talking about all that good stuff. You're pumped for uh, more Nick
2: Madrigal at bats, aren't you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> why, why you gotta end like that why you gotta you know no I hey I sorry I, I am I would not he's
3: already hurting from the Hosmer trade possibility evaporating right in front of his eyes you know he had his God, Hosmer Cubs true. jersey
1: ready to go in the no, cart no it's it's Padres Prospect jersey that's that was oh, okay, what was on okay. the, on the back so it's like but, kicking uh, him when he's yeah. down Sadik. come on <laughs> no I mean I think all I would say to that is it is probably useful for the Cubs to get a lot of at-bats for Nick Madrigal the rest of the way and have some additional information. Uh, yeah. I I think it would have been fine if he were still at Iowa getting those at-bats and getting settled in, but we'll just, we'll let the Cubs do as they will. And we'll talk about it next week uh, after he is on a six or seven game hitting streak without question. So you all take care and uh, goodbye.